0: Thanks for joining us today for Ted Speaks Live with your host, Ted Carew, the positive safety coach. As co-host and Ted's wife, I have the added task of keeping Ted in line and laughing at his jokes, which isn't always easy. My name is Barb Carew. We are coming to you from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, home of the Brewers, Miller Beer, and the Fonz. How could it get any better than that? Our podcast focuses on sharing ideas with business owners and safety professionals to keep employees safe and families together. Our passion for keeping people safe is the reason Total Health and Safety Solutions was created. This is how Ted is able to share his 25 years of safety experience by supporting companies around the globe in their efforts to strengthen their health and safety process. Please join us in welcoming Brent Rayberg. For over 20 years, Brent has helped his customers find cost-effective solutions for safety needs. Through excellent project management and customer service, he strives to be better every day and help in any way he can. Brent currently works for Lighthouse Safety as a fall protection specialist. Fall protection is not optional, it's required by law. You may not know where to start or even realize you have a need. Brent collaborates with you on a solution that protects your people and your business.
1: Hey Brent, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Hey, I'm very excited and uplifted about having you on our show today.
0: Uh (laughs) Ooh, I like that.
1: (laughs) How does a company start with fall protection program? How do they get that implemented within their organizations? Well, what you want to do is really start with an evaluation.
2: Have who is working at height, what are they doing? How often are they going up there? And once you get those questions kind of answered, you make a call. Give us a call. We can come out. We do a free on-site or a virtual in the the days of COVID. We can do a virtual fall hazard assessment and really take a look at what you have going on, what specifically your needs are, and kind of help you establish that program.
1: Yes, because I think a lot of companies a lot of times will struggle with that. How do you deal with a construction company versus a general industry company with a four foot versus six foot?
2: That's a great question. We have a lot of customers that are, especially in our construction realm, are just going to that four foot and saying, okay, we're going to protect people. They find that it's a need and, hey, we're going to take the advice and go with safety over okay, they say six foot here or four foot there. And that's great because a lot of times we say, well, why does construction have the extra two feet? Do they have harder heads? Do they not fall as quick? (laughs) They don't fall quite the same way. (laughs) Exactly, they fall a little different. So yeah, that's something that we definitely take a look at with each customer.
0: What other items do you look at when you evaluate a condition for a possible fall prevention solution, Brent?
2: Really, we look at a lot of different things. workflow, their entire process, Let's say we get a a call from a client that possibly they have a new building and they have maybe an AC unit that they have someone that needs to go up and service it a couple times a month. We look at the big picture. How do you get up to the roof? Is there a ladder? Do you have an internal stairway? What hazards do you cross along the way as you're getting to the AC unit? Are you going to be walking by skylights? Do you have to walk within 15 feet of the edge? Do we need to guardrail? And figure out some other areas that could potentially be a hazard, but you're focused on, hey, that AC unit, that's where they need to go. And we like to take a look at the big picture, see exactly what's going on on the entire rooftop.
0: So every workplace situation is different. Obviously, you named just a ton of things there that they might not recognize. And that's why you need someone who specializes in fall protection to come in and kind of look at, like you said, the bigger picture.
2: Yeah, we find that a lot. You get focused and you kind of put the blinders on. I have a guy, he's going up here and he's going to work on this unit. But there is many more hazards that can come up as you get to where you need to work.
0: Right, right. That makes
1: sense. What type of training is required for fall protection?
2: Well, OSHA does require that anyone in a harness has training and a certificate on file. They don't really specify the length of training. A lot of our customers will have maybe one or two or a few people that they send over for our competent person. We call it the train the trainer course. So we have a two-day course that we offer at Lighthouse Safety. We'll get people at your facilities, as they say, competent in fall protection. We give you the materials, then you can go back to your facility and now you can train whether you have an hour long or a two-hour long training course. You can get your people Up to speed on fall protection, correct harness fit, where you want that back D-ring to be. There's a whole harness dawning, we call it, that you want to make sure the harness fits properly. Because if you end up falling, you don't want that harness to be too loose. You don't want to be rolling out of the harness. You want it to protect you as you are hanging (laughs) up and you want to make sure that it's on right. So they don't necessarily specify a length of training. You do have to have certificates on file. But if you do... Let's say it's been maybe a year or two and you're kind of walking through your facility and you see Bob over there and he's putting on his harness and maybe his back D-ring is down towards his butt and it's not up by his shoulder blades and it looks a little loose and it might be time for some training.
1: (laughs) So, Good point. That never happens, Brent. I mean, you never see that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) No, they always
1: put it on right. Not in the (laughs) wintertime, that's for sure, at least in the colder area. Exactly. Correct. Yep.
0: So not only getting a fall prevention program and solution, people have to know what to do with that. And that's where, like you said, training is very important. Like with anything, if you have the tools, but you don't know how to use it, it doesn't do much good.
2: Exactly. The education is such an important part of this because you're having folks that are going to put on equipment that could save their life. Right. If they're hanging up there and the equipment isn't on right, it wasn't put on right, or they don't have it hooked up right, and they would never got the training on how to use it. It's not their fault. You need to make sure the training is in place and that everybody feels comfortable with what they're doing.
0: Right.
1: I think uh, a lot of people maybe remember this or not, but on OSHA several years ago, they even had the picture of a gentleman who uh, fell over at Lambeau Field and was just hanging there and decided to pick up a cigarette while he was waiting to be rescued. And I was actually on that project and that kind of put it back into place for everybody else. But it was a great save and he wore his stuff right and he was trained correctly. So that's what can happen. But when we get into those type of issues, Brent, rescue plans, they always seem to be something to struggle because in every type of business or application, it seems to be a little bit different. What is required for a rescue plan? Actually, we get this a lot. And a lot of the times the answer is, oh, we're going to call nine one one. Yeah, and and <laughs> that is
2: true. You have an emergency, you call 911. But depending on your location, it could be 5, 10, 20 minutes until you actually see any type of emergency response. If you're in Milwaukee, they're going to be pretty quick. If you're going to be in some outlying areas, you really don't know how long it could take. So you want to make sure that you have a rescue plan in place so that if something does happen, you and your workers have a plan to either get the person down, start rendering aid to them, whether it be CPR or something else has happened. The biggest one is if you can do self-rescue. You can arrest somebody within a short amount of time and maybe they can step back up onto the platform they were working on, or they can actually self-rescue if they are conscious. But a great idea that we always tell our clients is to have the fire department come out, do a little field trip, If you have a larger facility, maybe you have multiple doors, you have receiving areas, they can come out and they'll start making the plan with you of, okay, if we know there's an emergency at door seven, they already know where door seven is. They have pictures. They have some information that can help them get there quicker because in an emergency, seconds matter. The quicker you can get aid to someone, the better off they're going to be. So the rescue plan really starts with making sure you understand the facility and where you're going to be working and also your emergency response team, that they're able to know you're working at height and something might happen, but also involving the local fire department to make sure that they also have an idea of your facility.
1: Yeah. I mean, those are great points because you look at tactical rescue for fire departments, less than 35% in our country are able to respond, fire departments. And so we're working a lot of areas that are uncovered in that. So looking at a plan, thinking about it beforehand is crucial to the success. Would you agree? Yes,
2: exactly.
1: And training on it.
2: Every quarter, you guys maybe do a little bit of a training session where you're actually going to, we have a 282-pound dummy we call Fred, and we'll bring him in. I've seen Fred a couple times. Yeah, Fred gets around. <laughs> we like to bring him out and really show people how difficult it is to rescue someone, to get somebody out when they're not helping. Fred's just wait. You don't have any help. You don't have any assistance from him. And, and it is amazing how eye opening it is for people when they start moving around 282 pounds. It's very difficult to do. And to think, oh, if if you look at a situation and somebody falls, they're down a little bit, we can just grab them and pick them up. It takes a lot of effort to get that done. And people just don't realize, Yep,
1: And it's dead weight. I mean, that's what people don't realize. I mean, it's not helping you. So you have to do everything. And then plus at whatever angle you're at, could add on to the weight. So yeah, those are good points, Brent. Yes, exactly.
0: Brent, what are the different ways to address a fall hazard?
1: It's funny.
2: A lot of folks don't realize that, that our first one is we want to try to eliminate it. <laughs> we don't want you going up and yeah. high if we don't need you to. And they, they kind of look at you funny and say, Well, what do you want to eliminate it? And it is. It's true. If there's a valve that maybe you have to climb up and check, okay, I have to climb twenty feet in the air to check this valve, can you reroute it and get the valve down to the floor where you can now check it without having to take your feet off the floor? So if we can eliminate those hazards. Then we don't have to have people in a harness or in fall protection. And you've eliminated the hazard, which now the only way they can get hurt is now if you're on a trip. Well, make sure that the area around them is clear and you can eliminate these hazards, which is great. And then we go into engineering it out where you start with a project. And a lot of times we see this in new buildings, new construction, where they'll have a ladder that you use to access the top of the roof. And a lot of folks don't realize that the ladders have been updated in the OSHA standards in 1910, that cages are no longer allowed as fall protection. You have to have another system in place to arrest the fall if somebody were to fall on a ladder over 24 feet tall. So even with new buildings that are still being built, we still see these cages coming out and no other system in place. So you try to engineer that out before you start. So you don't, again, have to deal with the fall. And then we get into passive fall protection where you have skylight screens or guardrails where there's a physical barrier between the person and the hazard. So now they don't have to think about it as much. If they're walking or they're backing up and they hit a guardrail, they've hit the guardrail, they stop, they move away from the edge. So that's another area. And then you get into active fall protection. That's where somebody's in a harness. And you have a fall could happen. So now we get into, you need more training. You need the workers to know the equipment they're using and make sure that they're using the correct equipment for the application. If you have somebody that's working on a leading edge and there's a possibility they could fall over that edge, they need to make sure they have the correct SRL, which is a self-retracting lifeline, and that it's rated for leading edge use. A lot of people just grab something off the shelf and think, oh, this is good, and I can go ahead and use it. But you always want to make sure that you're using the equipment according to the manufacturer specifications. And a lot of times, that's just simply reading the owner's manual that comes with it. As simple as that sounds, it's just, hey, let's take a look and see what the manufacturer specifies I can do with this. So you really want to address those four areas. And we do that with our fall hazard assessments. We'll go through and make sure if we can eliminate, I've had a couple of clients this week, we were able to eliminate the hazard and not have to have someone in fall protection, which is great. We love to see that because there's going to be no fall then. Right. (laughs) Right. So
0: what I love about some of these points you brought up is they're very proactive in nature versus reactive. I mean, sometimes, yes, you have to react, but to be proactive and think of all of these things prior is the best way to go. And it sounds like that's the philosophy that you have here.
2: Exactly. And that's what we start with. As we say, where do you start with a fall protection program is starting to be proactive and think about what do I have workers doing? What do they need to do? Because the reactive side is very expensive and it's very hurtful to your employees because once a fall happens, now there's a whole bunch of other things that come up and come to light. And you just don't want to have to deal with that. You don't want your employees to have to deal with maybe a lifetime of pain because they fell and now they have a disabling injury. Right. It's just not worth it.
0: No, definitely not. Brent, can you just share with us how often does fall protection equipment and fall systems need to be inspected just so our listeners know?
2: Yeah. With harnesses and systems that they're using, the user actually needs to inspect before and after each use. So you're checking over your harness, you're looking at the system with the SRL, and you're pulling it down, you're tugging on it, making sure that everything locks, making sure that it's moving freely back and forth. And then you want to be have them inspected by a competent person other than the user once a year. And we do these inspections for many of our clients. We keep track of model numbers, serial numbers, making sure that all the equipment is checked over. We do see it quite a bit where on the SRLs, the self-retracting lifeline, they like to store them where they'll they'll pull the hook down and they'll actually attach it to something that's down by the floor and then it's ready to go when they need it. The problem is with those, you have a internal spring on the SRL that has a memory. So as you leave it down there and hooked in, it'll actually develop that memory and it won't retract back up. So you can hook onto it and start climbing
1: a ladder and all of a sudden you'll get slack in that line. Is that where you want to use the more of the ropes, correct? The ropes to get those? Yep, exactly. Then we have tag line with
2: O-rings on them that if somehow it gets caught up, the O-ring will break and it doesn't damage your SRL. But we see that quite a bit where people are just attaching them onto whatever they can down by the ground And then that develops that memory. Well, now you're going to add to your free fall. So if you fall, that retractable is not going to go back up into the housing and you're going to fall even further than you thought you were going to. So we really try to watch for that. A lot of the inspections we do, we we do see that one quite a bit. So I like to bring that one up just because it's something simple where if you see it, you can detach it and let that SRL go back up into the housing.
1: Yeah, and that can save somebody's life, right? I mean, that's a big little thing, right? Yes, exactly. That's I like that. That's a big little
2: thing. That's a great one. A great point. And then with your harnesses, you want to keep them in a cool, dry place, not in the direct sunlight, because that'll wear down the fibers. So you just want to take care of your equipment. Don't leave it laying around. Don't leave it where it can get damaged or run over. And a lot of times we see folks will have maybe a row of lockers and they'll hang them in there, or they'll just have a row of hooks where they can hang up their equipment and make sure it stays out of harm's way. It's expensive stuff, and, and if companies are providing it for you, it shows that the company cares. They're getting you the equipment you need. They want to take care of it and make sure that it's stored properly as well.
1: Hey, Brent, what is your suggestion? I know I've always struggled with this a little bit on different projects and different companies, but how would you keep records of your inspections? What is the best way to do that? I think that's something that we all probably struggle with a little bit on fall protection, to have the written record versus just the visual.
2: Yes, exactly. And the harnesses and the equipment will actually have tags on them that you can mark down the inspections were done and who they were done by. We keep a log of all of our customers. So we'll actually go in, we'll take pictures, we'll check everything over, and then we let you know the model numbers, the serial numbers, the manufacturer dates, We keep track of that for all our customers, and then they have that because first thing OSHA will ask if something happens and they come in is, where's your record? They want to see the paper trail. They want to see the documentation. So we do that for our customers. We keep them up to date on everything, and if we swap out something or if the equipment is missing year to year when we come in and do our yearly inspections, we'll ask, where did this go? Did you have to pull it out of service? Did something happen? And that's another great point on fall protection is. You've heard one call, that's all. <laughs> You're down in Milwaukee, you've heard that <laughs> yep, quite a one bit. One call, that is all. Exactly. And we do one fall, that's all. So if you do have a fall, the equipment is taken out of service. You want to cut the back D-ring, it's the maybe a larger SRL, you can send it back into the manufacturer for refurbishment. But you want to take the equipment out of service because we don't know exactly what forces were used on that harness. So the harnesses have indicators on the back of them. And sometimes, depending upon how far you would fall, the indicators won't pop. So somebody, if maybe they had a fall at night and they don't want to tell anybody, the indicators might not have been popped, but there was still a force on that harness. So you want to make sure that if there is any type of a fall, you do bring it to management's attention and that equipment can get checked over or taken out of service. Because you don't want to have equipment that had a fall and now somebody grabs it and they didn't know. And now they go and use it thinking that it's great equipment and that everything checks out on it, but it's actually been in a
1: fall. Yes. Very good points there, Brent. Thank you very much. We want to thank you for sharing your story and telling us more about fall protection. But now it's time for me to have a little fun with you. (laughs) (laughs) This is my favorite part of the show. And in safety, we always want to look at the positive outlook of health and safety. And that's why I am the positive safety coach. So we're going to use humor to uh, at least put a smile on people's faces. So are you ready, Brent? I have been ready for this all day. All right, great. Okay. (laughs) Did you hear the company's going to fire the employee with the worst posture? I did not. (laughs) I have a hunch it might be me. Oh, (laughs) Oh, I like that
0: one. (laughs) (laughs) See, these are getting better, Barb. Okay. (laughs) Well, Brent's just very polite. (laughs) Okay. What did the employee say to the supervisor when he was asked if he was afraid of heights?
1: Now, this is right up your alley. This is, I know I should know this. I don't know.
0: You don't know. Well, he's not afraid of heights. However, he has a fear of falling from heights.
1: (laughs) (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Hey, Brent, thank you so much for your time today and being on TED Speaks Live. We really enjoyed it. Could you possibly share with us how people can get a hold of you if they have questions?
2: Yeah, actually, uh, LinkedIn is a great spot to find me. I'm on there as well as my email and my phone number is also on my LinkedIn page. So, yeah, just uh, check me out on LinkedIn. And I'd love to talk to people about fall protection. It's
1: a great passion of mine, and I really enjoy it. Well, we can definitely tell you enjoy it. Could you kind of just give us your email address and kind of spell it out for our listeners, please? Sure, yeah. It's Brent, B-R-E-N-T, at Lighthouse.com
2: safety.com. And that's just as it sounds, L-I-G-H-T-H-O-U-S-E-S-A-F-E-T-Y.com.
0: Perfect. Thank you very much, Brent, for joining us today. We really enjoyed listening to what you had to say.
2: Thank you very much.
0: Thank you very much, Brent, and have a super safe day. Thank you for listening to Ted Speaks Live with Ted Carew, owner of Total Health and Safety Solutions, providing health and safety support to businesses by customizing a safety process to fit their needs, big or small. Please connect at ted.carew at healthandsafetynow.com or visit our website, healthandsafetynow.com to share your safety stories or find out more about how we can work together to ensure your people go home safely and turn an expense into a profit center. Follow us and leave a review on your favorite podcast app. Have a super safe week.